0: and welcome back to another zero credits supplemental reading my name is john and joining me of course is my name's henry and this week we are here to discuss the film spider-man into the spider-verse as promised on previous episodes yes we're making good on our promises we're retrofitting our web slingers to swing an action to talk about this once-in-a-lifetime movie. And if this is your first zero-credit supplemental reading, first of all, welcome. Uh, secondly, get out. Thirdly, zero-credit supplemental readings are primarily designed for people who have enjoyed the thing we're talking about to their fullest, in that I mean they have watched it. And that's what I meant when I said get out. If you haven't seen Spider-Man into that there Spider-Verse Please exit the uh, audio episode. <laughs> yes, please please exit the audio zone. Please exit our audio verse. Go see the movie and then come back. Listen, pick it up from where you left off so you don't have to hear that awful intro again. I'm just ribbing you. I'm, I, it wasn't awful. It was very passable. Cause then you'll know all the spoilers, and so we won't spoil it for you. Because we are gonna be talking about this movie in its entirety. Yes. So the one thing about zero credit supplemental readings, which make them different from any other supplemental reading, that make them (laughs) that make them different from any other episode. Rather, it's a rough day. Uh, I've taken a lot of drugs for a cold. The primary difference being that. We will discuss the movie in its entirety, full of spoilers, our conversations will be wide-ranging, and you'd, you'd best be warned. They're warned. They're Thank thoroughly God. warned. We've warned them warned. for about a minute straight. Yeah, that was a lot. So I think we should probably just get into it, because we've wasted damn near enough time. So let's just start out with the short, not recap, but synopsis. Of what the hell Enter the Spider-Verse is. Yes, yeah, so you follow a uh, young Miles Morales who encounters a Spider-Man-like creature. <laughs> what is happening to me today? We've oh. follow What's really interesting about this movie and how it begins is how much we get of Miles Morales' life mm-hmm. before any spider mishap even happens. Like, I want to say you go maybe 20 to 30 minutes into this film without Spider-Man appearing on, in character at all. Which really, it, it fits with this movie's entire premise, is that it's primarily character-driven. Your initial introduction to the character of Miles Morales is he is singing along to a very uh, catchy post-Malone tune, Sunflower doesn't know the words. He's, I believe, sketching at the time. We get a lot of great establishing shots of Miles's room to give you an idea of who he is as a character. And there are little hints ar- around the room to let you know that this is not the same world that we're in. Yes, this is a, a slightly different world. I don't know if you caught it. Uh, there's a there's a few things throughout the movie that, that try to impress upon you that it takes place in a different reality. And the first one, maybe not the first one, the first one that I have now been pointed out to me is that he, uh, young Miles Morales... This might be in his room, might be in his... His, not college room, but his, his dorm room later. Mm-hmm. But he has a poster of Chance the Rapper. And Chance the Rapper, I don't know if you know anything about Chance the Rapper. He wears a hat with a three on it. Yes. And then and this poster that Miles Morales owns, Chance the Rapper is wearing a hat with a four on it. Oh. It's different. Yeah, it's a slightly different universe, which is established when he meets the blue-eyed, blonde-haired Peter Parker. Uh, which in this movie's uh, version of reality is essentially the Sam Raimi Tobey Maguire uh, Spider-Man. Here portrayed by Chris Pine. Yes, Chris Pine immediately uh, dies. He dies, yeah. No way to say it other than that. Because whenever Miles Morales is Spider-Man... Peter Parker is dead. And and the thing that I really love about Into the Spider-Verse, what it does, is it doesn't cop out on the one basal requirement for Miles Morales' existence, which is the death of Peter Parker. Yes. The- Miles Morales takes the mantle of Spider-Man from a dead Peter Parker, and when it seemed like they were going to be setting up like a, like a mentor-mentee relationship, I was kind of disappointed, and then elated upon the Spider-Man death. Just like how... Uncle Ben needs to die for there to be a Spider-Man. Spider-Man has to die for there to be a Spider-Man. Exactly. And I I think that the transition over to Miles Morales, everything leading up to our first introduction to the, the fractured realities where the Spider-Verse comes into play, it's just perfect characterization. I'm a big fan of the character of Miles Morales in comic books and other interpretations, which, by the way... Uh, 2018, great year for Miles Morales. A uh, huge amount of representation, not only in Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, but also in the Spider-Man PS4 game. Yeah. there There is a huge amount of Miles Morales. You get to play as him. It took a very long time for, I guess, uh, society as a whole to catch up to Miles Morales, because he has... Been wearing the Spider-Man outfit for years in the comics, I believe, now. I want to say it's not near a decade, but it feels like near a decade. So we were really slow on the uptake for Miles, but Miles is a fantastic character, and I... Plus he can turn invisible. He can turn invisible. He can Venom Strike. Venom Strike. Venom Strike. Spider-Man can't do that. Spider-Man can't do shit. Uh, but I th- I think that the initial introduction to Miles Morales, and really the, the slow... I can't even describe it as slow, but the the very character-specific, character-focused intro to this movie is phenomenal. You need all of these establishing shots, and they're not shots, establishing sh- scenes with Miles Morales as sort of the center of this universe before things get batshit insane and suddenly you've got five other Spider-Men and like this crazy other, all this other stuff going on. You need just the the real world conflict of a young child trying to you know, struggling to find where they fit in the world that they find themselves in. Yeah, and I mean, Sp- into the Spider Verse is one of the uh, strongest and most—I don't want to say basic, but it's one of the most wholehearted superhero movies we've seen in a long time because it it tells a story that superhero stories are very good at telling, which is a it is bravery in the face of adversity, and it is finding your place in the world. And that's something that I feel like superhero movies have moved away from, because it's almost impossible to tell an origin story now. But I feel like we maybe got a little bit out in the weeds. No. So... No, this is all perfect for is it? beginning conversation stuff, because we're still talking about, sort of, I mean, we we, we have leapt here and there, but we, we are, we're, we're still focused on the beginning of the movie. Yeah. Which is the initial problem of Miles Morales' life, which is he feels lost... He feels like he doesn't belong in this new school that he's finding him, finding himself in. And he wants nothing more than to be back with his friends at his old school. And it really struck me, this movie, when Miles leaves his home initially. And there's that great kind of one take, which a one take in an animated feature. It's not as hard as in real life, but also in real life it's just kind of like showing your dick to the audience. Uh, but it's such a fantastic... Like, one take shot of Miles Morales walking down the street to his school, slapping that sticker on the sign, and there's a huge amount of characterization that goes into it. And the movie really had me from that moment, because I think that in that moment, and this is a bold claim, going forward for the rest of the movie, every single frame of this movie uh, is beautiful and could be hung on a wall. Oh, yeah. Yeah. What really grabs you about this movie, and, and this is zooming out a bit from what we were talking about, just the style and presentation. People want to say like, "Oh man these these Marvel movies coming out they're a love letter to comic books." No, they aren't. They're 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 an adaptation. Mm-hmm. Spider Man into the Spider Verse is one of the first love letter to comic book movies, disparaging something like The Spirit, where it's shot and presented. As a comic book in in flowing motion. And and something that they do that carries them so far in this... And a lot of uh, kind of computer-generated animation... I don't want to say a lot, but quite a few do this. Uh, So anyone who goes into this will immediately kind of be jarred by the animation style. Because you're seeing a large-budget 3D animated feature. So you assume that there's a certain level of smoothness of 24 frames per second... That you'd see in everything... But this is animated in a very deliberative, it, it looks like it's animated from cells. Yeah. Uh, and that's because it's animated on what are called twos. Did you read anything about this? I have not. I'm fascinated. So the reason why the movie looks this way is film typically is 24 frames per second, unless you're The Hobbit and you're 48 or whatever, or 60. (laughs) Or you're Quentin Tarantino. Yes. Uh, Typically it's 24 frames per second, and if you shoot a computer-generated animated feature... At 24 frames per second and every movement happens on a frame, it starts to look very smooth but kind of unbelievable. Yeah, like Uh, the uncanny valley is being approached because it's too perfect. Yeah, and and this is a problem that they had in a lot of early films. I know that The Incredibles kind of had this problem. A lot of people had motion sickness because they weren't used to it. Uh But essentially, to create something that has this kind of motion that looks closer to something like an animated feature instead of animating on every frame, they animate on every other frame so there's so, kind of like a a heart murmur yeah there, there's a there's a palpitation yeah. between frames, and they this movie carries that even further because in some scenes to establish motion characters will be animated on twos but offset from each other so they're not moving at the same time yeah really how this movie is animated is genius and then overlaid over it feels like a filter that's says like a bunch of tiny dots kind of like pointillism but not really yeah there, there's to mimic like the style of inking and in comic books yeah they, they do a great job of doing like hatching and stuff it's it's such a beautiful movie and i i really do think that every part of it could be framed the app like the small details, some sound effects have onomat- onomatopoeia mm-hmm. spell outs like in a comic book. Yeah. There are, <laughs> there are just so many moments that are just like somebody who is passionate about the medium of comic books and presenting that somehow in a movie. They had their hands in every part of this project exactly and i mean it it even continues into things like every character is anime a different way and this is jumping forward a little bit but not much so like um the what is it just green goblin is what he's called in this universe but he's a legitimately a massive goblin monster he's a mutant goblin monster he's called just green goblin yeah so the the giant goblin monster uh in the super collider where we first meet peter parker and they have their first interaction it is animated in a very specific way to make it look like stop motion. Yeah. It's it's meant to look like a big menacing clay figure that moves not quite in line with how everything else moves. And then you have characters like the Prowler, who also shows up in this scene, who for quite a bit isn't animated on twos, but is animated on ones. So everything he does looks very uh, smooth. Yeah. It looks very smooth and cat-like and creepy and shadowy. Oh, it's so good. So good. So good, the animation. (laughs) One thing I really love since we're bringing up villains now is I think for the first time in the history of the character, I finally understand what Kingpin is supposed to represent. In in Spider Man fiction, Kingpin typically kind of gets the short end of the stick when it comes to characterization. This is a fantastic Kingpin. Twice now in 2018, I have seen Spider Man versus Kingpin. Kingpin. Mm-hmm. Whereas before, I've I'd only really seen him in Daredevil stuff. Yeah, but but it makes complete sense. Spider Man versus Kingpin is the it's the internal struggle. Of, dare I say, capitalism, where it is the little everyday person versus the huge, literally huge conglomerate corporation that is the embodiment of greed and power. Yeah, and the embodiment of greed and power in this film being a literal sea of black Italian suitage. So perfect. Just a tiny little pinhead on a wave of black suit. In a movie full of colours and movement and, and brightness and, and all this like flowing like art, like the art that Miles Morales does, the graffiti, is very colorful, very sloppy, not sloppy, but you know, flowing. Yeah. It's it's it it's got movement to it. You then have the abyss, that is that Italian black suit that Kingpin wears, and he's he's there's, I don't think he's really drawn. Kingpin is drawn to scale, not at all, or animated to scale. Like he takes up as much space as the metaphor needs in certain scenes. Yeah, and so sometimes he's a literal mountain of a man, of just a void of creativity, and, and just representing all this power and and greed. And he then they do the great thing, and they paint him a really kind of like. You can identify with him backstory? Yeah. Because he's just hopping dimensions to get his wife and and his kid back. Mm -hmm. Which, of course, then is revealed eventually that he can never get his wife and his child back because no matter what he is or where he is, he's always the person that he always was. Which is the greedy, powerful, power-hungry... Uh, money vampire. Uh, Which is part of maybe a a bigger theme in the movie we'll talk about later. But I think that you really hit the nail on the head. I think that the reason why Spider-Man resonates with people uh, and why Spider-Man is kind of my favorite superhero, at least in aggregate, is that Spider-Man as a comic book is a class struggle for the most part. Uh, that's why Kingpin is his greatest and most long-lasting foe is because they're at opposite ends of a wealth and class spectrum. Yeah. And it's exhilarating to see, you know, in Peter Parker's case, an underpaid research assistant who makes no money and has to deliver pizzas and take photographs on the side. Kick the shit out of Kingpin. And then you have Miles Morales, an even better story, even younger, having to put up with way more shit. And then fucking sock and kingpin in the face. Oh, mwah, Chef kiss. <laughs> Italian suit, <laughs> French kiss. Yes, Italian suit, French kiss. <laughs> I, I, I keep I keep bastardizing it more and more <laughs> as time goes on. There are so many good moments in this movie, and you mentioned that the aggregate of Spider-Man or some some version of him is kind of your favorite hero, and for a very good reason. There's a moment in this movie. That resonated with me on a level, because one thing that that for some reason that I like is, is like the and something that Stan Lee kind of like put into Spider Man mm-hmm. is that you know it's not just the people wearing capes, it's not just the people wearing uniforms. We can all be heroes. There's a hero in all of us. Yeah, and that's one of the main things, one of the main themes of the movie. But one of the greatest things about Spider Man, no matter who he is, no matter where he is, he is the embodiment of that. Like I'm gonna be the hero. So a moment comes up where it's like somebody's gonna have to stay behind to close the the dimension the warping uh, space collider thing. Yeah, I'm not really good with the tech names. And immediately, in a room full of Spider Men, they all say, "I'll stay behind. I'll stay behind. I'm gonna stay like yeah. without hesitation. It's like, of course." Cause you're all Spider Man. Yeah, you're, you're all gonna stay behind. <laughs> you're you're all the embodiment of the person who makes the choice to stay behind, who makes the choice to be the hero. It, Which is why Spider Man's such a great superhero, because he wakes up every day and makes a choice to be a superhero. Exactly. In and, and that moment, it's played for comedy to like the brilliant. Yeah, you, know, you take that part of a character and you make it funny because mm-hmm. you've got six of them in the room, so they're yeah. all gonna make the choice to be the one to sacrifice themselves. But that's so that in that moment you've encapsulated the entire character of Spider-Man mm-hmm. in six different variations. The the thing about Marvel movies is typically they are interpretations of a base work, and sometimes there is a there's a spectrum of how much they get it. Uh this movie a hundred and ten percent gets it. Oh yeah, they're on it. They're, they, on, they're on the Spider-Man train. They the two best things to happen to Spider-Man in the last decade are the Spider-Man PS4 game and Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse, and it's because everyone who made those things gets it. Yeah. And who uh, knew they were so many fans of Spider-Man. <laughs> and and speaking of uh these multiple spider men uh after Peter Parker dies and Miles Morales is uh is he bitten by the spider at that point? No, no. he's bitten by the spider later, but he does go to the grave of Peter Parker, and we are introduced then to, I know that I said Miles Morales is my favorite Spider-Man, but I lied to you, because my favorite Spider-Man is Peter B. Parker. Peter Pete B. Parker is one of... Your heart kind of aches for him. He's the spy, he's the version of Spider-Man that, that is sort of the reality of being a superhero, and that it... Becomes kind of a drag after a while. Because if you look at the, the extended Spider-Man canon, you've got like, oh, this Spider-Man is in the 1920s, or even outside of that, this Spider-Man, like, Mary Jane died, so he became like a vigilante and then cops killed him or whatever. Yeah. the It's always an interesting version, but the idea that is posited by the fact that there are unlimited multiple realities is there is a Spider-Man where it just didn't work out. Yeah. Where it didn't work out, not in an amazing way. Not in a super heartbreaking way, not in an apocalyptic way, but it didn't work out in a human way. In that he wasn't ready to have kids because he was a superhero and didn't want to bring kids up in that world. And that, I mean, it's a perfectly realistic reason for for things to kind of like sour for him. Mm -hmm. And of course, like, he's just depressed. Like, the love of his life, they broke up, they split up, and he's like, why... Why would I keep doing this? Mm -hmm. This is a thing that has now cost me happiness. Yeah, I can make the decision to be a hero, but it's kind of like, I could also just stay here and eat pizza and watch the news. Yeah, I could also not do that. And the just the characterization for Peter B. Parker, because you had Chris Pine, who was voicing... It was perfect. Yeah, and then you move to... Jake Johnson. And then you move to Jake Johnson, who is... It's just such a perfect representation of shitty, depressed Spider-Man. Really sells that character so hard. Jake Johnson has a record of playing kind of like the schlubby, kind of like down-and-out loser character. Mm -hmm. And here he is playing a version (laughs) of the superhero Spider-Man. It's only he can, you know? Mm -hmm. I mean, it's a shame. He's not... I, I wouldn't call it typecasting. I think he's just really good at it. Yeah, he's just got a really schlubby voice. It's great. And the best thing about Down and Out Loser Spider-Man is like, Oh, well, I guess I have to do this. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to do it the best way I can because, by the way, I'm also the amazing Spider-Man. Yeah, I, I love that even in, like, depressed, shitty Spider-Man, he's still a very competent Spider-Man. And he's, like, he's still got the quips, the you know, the fast-talking, you know... I think it just becomes a habit for a Spider-Man in his late 30s, early 40s. Yeah, you can't stop it. You can't stop it. I love that uh, for a decent portion, he just has no shoes and sweatpants on. (laughs) Oh, it's so good. So good. Yeah, the sweatpants. (laughs) Oh, man. But then, of course, later we are introduced to the extended Spider-Family. You've got your Spider-Gwen, which... Pretty awesome. It took me a second to realize what was happening with Spider-Gwen because it was a character we had been introduced to earlier, but was introduced to the world during a different thing. Yeah, she was introduced as Gwanda. Yes. What... (laughs) She's, oh, she starts right. saying yeah. Gwen, but she then, then, she saying says, when, then she says Wanda. Wanda. Yeah, so I, I called her Gwanda. And you notice how every time, and you probably picked up on this, but I think that it's a very uh, neat thing. Every time Miles Morales, after he gets bitten by the spider, after whenever he touches anything and he's nervous or he's scared, his hands stick. Yeah. And that's the one thing he can't control, which once again playing into one of the themes of the movie is is overcoming your fear and just doing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't know, there's probably going to be a, there will be a spot to talk about this. I just wanted to bookmark that so we can talk about it later. Why not talk about it now? Okay, we can talk about it now. Everybody's seen it. Uh, so his hands stick when he gets nervous. To her head. But in is that, that what we want to talk about? No, this is going to be a thing much later in the movie. Oh, uh, but his hands get sticky whenever he's afraid. Yes. So when he eventually does become Spider-Man, when he dons the outfit and he goes back to the building that he was too scared to jump from before, and then he jumps and then the, maybe the most amazing shot of 2018 is he, him falling into New York is reversed to make it look like he's flying up into the city. Yeah. Uh, when he does that, do you notice that the glass breaks and follows his fingers when he jumps off? Because he's nervous. He, he was still scared. Yeah, he was still scared, but he still did it. He still and that's that's the, that's the taking the leap. You know, yeah. even though you're still scared, because the first time, it can't all be as easy as Tobey Maguire, who jumped the building <laughs> successfully, or not unsuccessfully the first time, but then did it. Yeah. It's not always that easy. Even when you have superpowers, and you're confirmed you've got these powers, and you've got the equipment, and you're wearing the suit, even then, it's okay to be afraid. It's the fact that you still do it, despite the fear, that's what I think Winston Churchill called true courage. Yeah, it's... Or true bravery. Yeah, bravery, by its definition, is doing something even though you're afraid. Yeah, it's not the absence of fear, it's doing so... In the presence of fear. Yeah, and I think that it really solidified for me because I thought his hands would just stick for comedic effect for no reason. And then when that happened and it wasn't played for comedic effect, I realized that throughout the entire film, it was only happening because he was scared. Or stressed. Or, or yeah. stressed. It, Negative emotions made his hands sticky. Yeah, because they kept telling him, like, just relax. All you gotta do is let go. Yeah. He's like, I can't because he was afraid that he would never be able to let go. Or are you stressed out by the fact that it wouldn't unstick? Yeah. Ugh, oh, that's oh. so good. So this good. This movie is full of really I... great, powerful moments. We're introducing all the Spider-Men. Yeah, we're introducing and, all the Spider-Men. And women. And women. Uh, let's not be exclusive. Sorry, yeah, I forgot so, the word. Uh, we've got. Uh, so we got the, your main three: those are the S- Miles Morales, Peter B. Parker, and Spider-Gwen. Are your core cast for most of the movie. Yes. Spider-Gwen, by the way, kicks a bunch of ass. Really good interpretation of Spider-Gwen. And then you've got your three additional Spider-Men. You do have your three additional Spider-Men. You've got Penny Parker. Penny Parker with her telepathic spider inside of a mech suit. Yes, I do believe that was part of... There was like a Marvel manga thing for a while. I think that's part of that. The spider was a friend of her father's. Uh Uh-huh. Friend. <laughs> the honest, honestly, yes. Okay. I mean. And uh yeah, it, it would reside in this mech suit and uh the mech suit in the in the manga comic was more styled after uh I can never say this name right, Evangelic. Evangelion? Evangelion. Okay. It was more of that style, but they made it more of a cartoony kind of robot for this one. Yeah, I feel like this is almost kind of like, um, a Tachi from Ghost in the Shell. Yeah. A little kind of Tachi vibe. Yeah. You know, kind of a bulbous, kind of like overly sized yeah. comedic robot, which mm-hmm. is, I'm, that's cool. Yeah, for sure. Then you've got one of my favorite characters, which is the Spider-Man noir. <laughs> Spider-Man noir. Spider-Man noir, to be totally honest with you, was the only, uh, version of Spider-Man that I had some qualms with. Really? And I know that they have to change things to make things more easily digestible, but I really like genuine Spider-Man noir's look, like comic book Spider-Man noir. Yeah. Uh, also, regular Spider-Man noir, I think, has a gun and is a very different character. <laughs> yes. In the comic books, Spider-Man noir is supposed to be the embodiment of a Spider-Man who does who never receives the lesson with great power comes great responsibility. Yes. He, he's the Spider-Man without that. Uh, so he has a gun and he just fucking kills people. Yeah, he's he's just got a gun and he's like not evil but he's just uh, much more morally gray. But of course... Uh, that's a different universe of Spider-Man. This Spider-Man, of course, uh is a straight-up 1920s pastiche, and I love it. Voiced by Nicolas Cage. So good. And has some of the best lines of the movie. He, like, he's suspended in the air, and his cape is blowing in the wind. It's like, <laughs> we're in a basement. How... Where is the wind coming from? It's like, where I go, the wind follows... And it always smells like rain. And he like, he does a a dramatic fist when he says it always smells like rain. And (laughs) sometimes, one time he just jumps in with, sometimes I let matches burn down so I can feel something. Uh, very good. Spider-Man or hands down is some of the best lines, like, uh, (laughs) something's developing in Miles Morales' life and he finds out his uncle is the prowler and he's gotten in this mess for his uncle is, you know, tracking him down to kill him. And Spider-Man Noir goes, man, you're, gonna, you're having a really tragic backstory. <laughs> it's it's so good. And then you have, of course, Spider-Ham, voiced by John Mulaney. Which is probably... I know I said Spider-Man Noir is probably the best Spider-Man in this movie. I did a little John. I pulled a John and I lied to you. I pulled a fast one on me. Pulled a fast one. I... Just because I like John Mulaney so much, and uh, for the record, this is his first major theatrical debut. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Spider Ham is probably the best Spider Man in the movie. Spider Ham is definitely the closest to his comic book interpretation, given that uh, Peter Porker, aka Spider Ham, uh, was specifically made uh, to create a pastiche of Marvel comics, but with Looney Tunes, yes, slash animal humor. Style cartoon artistry and jokes, and was supposed to just uh, ham up the Marvel Universe. Yeah. He was created maybe for a specific jokey reason, but he still has a lot of heart. And the fact that he was a spider that was bitten by a radioactive pig yes. is amazing. Oh, <laughs> uh, very good. The fact that they, they dug into the Spider-Man vault, this speaks to the the galaxy brain talents behind this movie, which we haven't even talked about the directors because there's like three of them, and they haven't done a lot, so there's not much to talk about. One of them was an animator until this movie. Exactly. Uh, but I think that the, the writers behind this movie, whoever did their research, they looked through the Spider-Man vault and they said, who are we going to bring in? Uh, is it going to be Spider-Man 2099? No. Is it going to be this Spider-Man, that Spider-Man? No. Is it going to be Iron Spider? No. What we're going to bring instead uh, is Animal Humor Porky Pig Spider-Man, uh, 1920s Film Noir Pastiche Spider-Man, and Anime Spider-Man. Yep. Uh, it's so good. These Such good are, choices. These are your spider man tonight. And they did an impeccable job of making these characters, and I'm not sure... I thought about this. I don't think I've ever seen a movie that treated its economy of characters so well. Because the characters who had things to say were able to say them. The characters who were there as characters, really Spider-Man Noir etc. Yeah. They said exactly enough to be funny, exactly enough for you to get a very strong idea of how they are as people and characters. They got great laughs, some character development, and then they were gone. Yeah. They were all balanced. Like I don't think anyone got short the short end of the stick. Yeah. And I think they all sort of served the purpose to reinforce for Miles Morales, you are not alone. Yeah. And also there's no correct way to be Spider-Man. Yeah, and and they all... None of them got old. They all had arcs. It was so good. I don't know if I've seen any other movie that has strong character presence like this that uses them so well and says goodbye to them. Yeah, just kind of lets, lets their time on the screen be, and then it's like, hey, they gotta get back to their world. Yeah. If they stay here, they're gonna discombobulize. Even... It's so perfectly put together because in like the climactic scene in the super collider or whatever they all have major emotional or developmental moments as characters you have penny parker whose robot gets destroyed protecting her very sad uh you you have a note about that mm -hmm. i read some trivia she was originally supposed to die along with her mech. Oh no. And they deemed it too dark for I a, would, a kid's movie. I would agree. Yeah. I would agree that would be too dark. Yeah. Uh, but no, Penny Parker has that moment. Uh, even Spider-Ham has the moment where he's taken, he's not being taken seriously and as a joke. Uh, and then he turns around and uses crazy fucking Acme cartoon technology to murder people. Uh, it's it's so good. It's so good that they're all given room to breathe in that last moment, and then sayonara. <laughs> like uh, and you feel for each one of them as they go. It's like yes, they're going into their own world, but now it's like they've got they've built up like this this kinship with the other Spider Men, and now they have to go back to their their world where they're the only Spider Man. Yeah, to carry out the the pressing self sacrificing life that is being Spider Man. And each one of them, as they leave, I kinda, I felt for them, not in a tear up way, but kinda like they had to go back to be where they belong, sure, but also to be alone again. Yeah, I I think that this movie does something very well that uh, a lot of movies could learn from, and I, maybe it's an eldritch science, I don't know how to do it. But from the very start, there's so much heart in this movie that the movie just like puts out a little string, and yeah. the string is dire- is connected directly to your heart, yes. and it's it's there watching it. the movie yeah. because the emotional balance is so perfect. You're invested from moment one, <laughs> and it's even like the, the the thing that's that I remember is as he's leaving in this crazy moment, Spider-Man Noir says, "I'm taking this cue. <laughs> yes. I, I I'm I don't know what it is, but I'm going to figure out. And in that moment, it's just like he's gonna go to a world that is black and white again. Like he's experienced color for the first time in his life. Mm-hmm. He's revealing that he can't understand it. He doesn't process it. Yeah, but it's still kind of like a heartstring. It's like, oh no, Spider Dad is gonna go back <laughs> to a sad. Black and white world. Yeah. Did you see the after credit sequence with the Rubik's cube? Yes. Yeah. He had it solved. Yeah. He had it solved and (laughs) and was like he he was being lauded as like a brilliant innovator. Yeah. Uh. But no, I I think it was not like the World's Fair. This cube. But yeah, that was, uh, those are our individual Spider-Man. Such a, such a great economy there. Even the, uh, permutations of the villains, like we discussed Kingpin already and the Green Goblin. Uh, but also Dr. Octopus. Total surprise! This is, okay. Oh my gosh, that was so well done! Of the Spider-Man properties in 2018, both of them played with our pre-existing knowledge of Dr. Octopus and two, Octopus, <laughs> Dr. Octopus, Octopus, uh, our knowledge of Dr. Octopus, Octopus in two very different but equally admirable ways. Yeah, one you're thinking, oh wait, I can't spoil that. That's not a supplement or reading for a video game. Uh, yes. And then the other one, the other one you're it's like, oh my gosh, who is this sadistic scientist lady? And then she's like, my friends call me Doc Octopus. Yeah, they, they use, they use the space of our knowledge of that character, but the fact that it is in an alternate universe to surprise us, because yeah. the second that happens, we know who that is. No characterization necessary. Also, uh, squishy tentacles this time. Oh, were they squishy? Yeah, they were all like weird and squishy and goopy. Oh. Yeah, she had gloopy tentacles. I don't... I, I guess I didn't notice as... I, instead of, like, the rigid ones Yeah, instead of metal, being, like, metal, they were like, blip, blip, blip. Okay, so they were made of, like, a flexible alloy. Yeah. And they also, like, pulsated in a weird way. She got hit by a bus. <laughs> she did get hit by a bus. Uh, That's a, that was a great so movie. So good. This might take a while. <laughs> or not. Ugh. What a funny movie. I... I feel like I would be remiss if I didn't talk about one thing that I considered discussing. Uh, I know that we're talking about one of the themes of the movie being everyone can be a superhero if they want to. uh, Or everyone can be a hero. Everyone is a hero. Uh, You just have to sit in your identity as that hero. I also feel like one of the primary themes of this movie was... And I don't know if this is dated graffiti slang or not... Uh, I'm aware of it, and I did a cursory Google search and it appears to still at least somewhat be in use. Oh, uh, it, it appears as though the one of the themes in this movie is getting up. Which is a term in the street art community for getting respect, getting your artwork up. Okay. Uh, but that is a tangential connection just because Miles Morales does street art. Yeah. Uh, but it's mostly about being able... That's something that almost every Spider-Man in their little introduction says, is no matter how hard I get hit or no matter how many times I fall down, I get back up. And okay. that is the one thing that they hold against Miles Morales that he's not able to do when they all meet in Aunt May's secret garage thing. But he got up. He did his art. That's how he got bit. That is how he got bit. But the, the, yeah. and, and it comes back later because they hold it, I, they don't hold it against him, but it is uh, very heavily implied visually that the thing that Miles can't do is in the face of great adversity, stand up and keep fighting. He can't make the choice to do that yet. Well, it's because he's new. Yeah. That, 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 that's one thing that was a frustrating thing. It's like, you guys have all been Spider-Man for multiple years. Yeah. He's been Spider-Man for literal days. Peter B. Parker. Has, him some slack. Peter B. Parker has been Spider-Man for 22 years. Yeah, decades. Also very funny that when they introduce first good Spider-Man, is like, for the last six years I've been. And then they do it pretty much shot for shot for Peter B. Parker, but he's like, for the last 22 years, and the scene where he's like swinging uh he looks really bored yeah uh so good uh the multiple intros were were really done really well but i I think that uh the the theme one of the themes is just getting up when you've been beaten down in the face of adversity and that's the last thing that one of the last things that miles morales does is he's beaten onto the ground by kingpin and then uh Come on, Spider-Man! Yeah, the the person he needed to believe in him was his dad. Yeah. This movie has such great father-son relations, and the father doesn't die! There is It's a, amazing! That, that doesn't happen anymore! So this is something that I think this movie... uh Number one, I don't want to uh show my hand too much on how much I like this movie, uh, but if anyone wants to consider this for awards, this is one of the best representations of the... Re- of the good-natured relationships that young men can have with their fathers or just their father figures, uh, in the case of, uh, Uncle Aaron, who ends up being the prowler, and mm-hmm. then Miles Morales' dad, because they have close, physical, affectionate, wholesome relationships that are just very well characterized. And it speaks to the difficulties of parenting where you just want the best for your kid. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes that means making a decision for them that they don't like, and there is a distance that's created there, but when mm-hmm. Puss comes to shove, damn it, still family. Yeah. It's, it's- Come it's, on, Spider-Man! It's, it's so good. It's so good that you can have a movie like this that is aimed towards children that can not vilify the relationship that a child would have with a parent particularly that a son would have with a father and you can show it as being a, a close affectionate thing you can show them saying I love you to each other it's and so good what I really because I thought for I thought the father was going to bite it you know was going to die and now was going to give yeah. Spider-Man the revolt like I thought he was going to be Miles Morales's you know uh, Uncle Ben mm-hmm but it turns out that was his uncle. His, yeah. His uncle Aaron. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Oh, his, no. Yeah. His uncle Spider- still had to die. Spider-Man always has to have a death. Because uh, yeah. I, believe, I believe every one of them has a death. Yeah, I think so. Uncle Ben mm-hmm. for Spider-Man. Yeah. Um, Peter Parker for Spider-Gwen. Yes. I can't speak to Spider-Ham. Uh, I don't know who died for Spider-Ham. Penny Parker's dad uh-huh. dies. Spider-Noir was just born that way. (laughs) Yes. He was just born amongst death. (laughs) (laughs) Clawing out of it. Uh, blinking to life. But yes, I I think that that is... If you want to look at anything, I just want to say a movie that was very good that won a genuine fucking Oscar, which is Moonlight, primarily won an Oscar for representing like close physical male relationships, not necessarily in a sexual way, though it did have some of that. Uh, but just showing male affection or closeness in a very honest way. And you can't tell me Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse didn't do that. Well, it won a glow, a, a, golden globe. Yes. A golden globe already for best animated film. I'm just saying, since the Oscars are objective. Yeah. They're not subjective at all. Sure. Uh, if Moonlight, a beautiful movie with, uh, male affection, won an Oscar, then I'm just saying, give Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse at the very least the Oscar for best picture. You know Coco's gonna get it, right? Yeah. Coco? Oh, yeah. Did Coco come out in 2018? I don't know. I lived here, so yeah. It did. Yeah, you know Coco's gonna get it. Yeah, that would make sense. But no, I, I think that that was one of the... It's such a... It's a very good thing about that movie. The distance that they have at the very end, his father and him. Because you don't know if he can hear his father, I don't think. He probably can, and that's why he stands up. Yeah, I mean, spider senses. Yeah, true. Uh, and then the, the distance they have to maintain when he's still in the Spider-Man persona, but he desperately wants to see his father. And he says, I love you. <laughs> yes. Such a, such a good, so good Shameek. That- Moore. Great job. Yeah. Sh- what, what has he been in? Nothing. 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 That's amazing. Yeah. He's been, he's been on like one other thing, but I don't know what it was. Man, you click on his name and it's just pictures of him. They're, Something that's really surprising to me about Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, other than the kind of marquee voice talent that they have, most of the people responsible for it, uh, even its lead, don't have very long filmographies. Yeah, I mean, so for instance, Sean Mulaney, this is his first. Yes. Nicolas Cage has been in a ton of things, so yes. there's against your point. Yeah, I just mean the people who are behind the creation of it, like the directors and the writers. I will... You've got some Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs in there. You've got some Rise of the Guardians, which is apparently a good movie. Yeah, who knows. All I will say about the writer, of which there are 20... There are 20 writers? There are, there are 20 writing credits. Okay. A lot of them are character created by. Okay. So you've got your, your, your Steve Ditka and your, that's not his name, Ditko? Ditko. Ditko. You've got your Ditko and you've got your Lee and then you've got, of course, each individual, like Penny Parker was created by somebody, yeah. Spider-Man was created by somebody. Aunt May was created by somebody. <laughs> Post Malone was created by Post somebody. Post Malone is. Post the, Malone has a voice credit, by the way. what do he do? I think he's the last credit, and it just says passerby or bystander. Oh, he, got, he got to do one line. He goes, hey, the writer for this movie, one of the main ones, was also one of the writers and creators of Clone High. Oh, that makes sense. So you know what? Good for you, guy, because Clone High legitimately, legitimately uh-huh. was a very funny show that got canceled way before its time. Clone High was great. It was. And uh, there was actually, in Times Square, Miles Morales' passing through Times Square, there's like a passing marquee for Clone College. (laughs) Shout out to a universe where Clone High got a sequel series. More movies need to be fun to make. Yeah. This movie just screamed fun. It seemed like people had fun making it bagel. Bagel? So did you okay? Remember when they're stealing the computer from the lab? Oh yes. And he says grab a he, bagel. He says he wants to grab a bagel. But do you know what I'm referring to? What? So when uh when Miles Morales grabs the bagel, number one, uh, I bust out laughing. Is it someone in the shell? Someone in the background goes, "Hey, that guy took a bagel." Hey, that guy took a bagel. Yeah. Uh, but when Miles Morales throws the bagel behind him, it hits a scientist in the head and goes bagel. It has a little. <laughs> bagel there's so much shit in the background That's of this amazing. movie i want to watch this movie on a pirated dvd <laughs> so i can pause every frame so speaking of things in the background this was actually in the foreground the first time miles morales goes to his uncle's uh, apartment uh-huh. and i noticed this in the theater there's a, ver- a very blurry pixelated television uh show uh playing mm-hmm. it is the season opener of season two of community Okay. Which features Donald Glove getting out of bed in a Spider-Man oh. outfit. In reference to the 2010 online petition to get Donald Glover to play, uh, Miles Morales because they were, you know, casting the, the, uh, what would become the Andrew Garfield movies of Spider-Man. Yeah, yeah, what a, what a good job they casted Andrew Garfield instead. Was Paul Giamatti the Rhino in that? Yeah. Fucking, I need to see those movies. I haven't seen them. I need to see them. I kind of refuse. That's fair. Oh no. I, the Rami Malik ones, the Sam Raimi ones. (laughs) Yeah. The ones directed by Rami Malik. Uh, the, uh, the Sam Raimi ones have problems too. They just They left a bad taste in my mouth because the first one was okay. The second one was probably the best of them, uh-huh. and then the third one was a nasty train wreck. You know, I think that there's got to be, and I'm someone who believes in balance. There's got to be so much bad Spider-Man shit coming down the pipe. Far from Home has got to be garbage. No, I feel like I feel like we took our lumps, you know, because we f- sat through mediocre to bad spider-man stuff like there there was like a, a a completely 3d animated spider-man show on mtv like we sat through horrible spider-man media this is the golden age final because this is something that is fascinating to me about spider-man as a franchise or as an intellectual property is spider-man has had Uh, at least in my lifetime, the greatest exposure to the greatest number of media channels because there have been uh, multiple, maybe greater than 10, Spider-Man TV series animated and otherwise. There's been dozens of video games. Like... I'm sure there have been books. There have been comic <laughs> books. There have been, been comic books. Weird that they adapted Spider-Man, uh, a legend of oral tradition, into comic books. Anansi, man. Uh, but they... I, I don't... I don't... I've been conditioned to imagine that the next Spider-Man thing is going to be bad, but as someone who loves Spider-Man, 2018 was such a good year, and it gave us... Well, it gave us my favorite video game of 2018, which is the Spider-Man game, and my favorite movie of 2018, which is Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. So 2018, in the final months, transformed itself into the year of the Spider-Man. <laughs> it did. Uh It transformed itself, Peter Parker-like, into the Spider-Man. We went into 2018, we're like, man, where what, what, what a nerd, 2018, what a nerd, and then... A little spider dropped from the ceiling and bit 2018 on the arm. (laughs) And then it got more powerful. It built web shooters. One thing about this movie. Oh, we're gonna fight. A spider the size of an adult man's hand. (laughs) Yes. Climbs up your person and bites you on the hand, and your reaction is light slap. Yeah, uh... I I, would freak (laughs) the fuck... I need to go to the hospital, Uncle Aaron. I was bit by a dog spider. I... Not only was I bitten by a spider, uh, the size of a man. I was bitten by a spider that looks like Iron Man. (laughs) It is colored in all different fucking colors. I was bitten by a spider that looks like it's going to war. (laughs) I was bitten by a war spider. And I hit it, and I'm squinting... It looks like there's a number on this spider. <laughs> it looks like That's... it's fucked up. It looks like it's glowing and glitching out of existence yeah. for some reason. Why is it glitching? Where where did that spider come from? That's what I want to know. Yeah, I, I do not know how that... Uh, uh, Every Peter Parker who's been bitten by a spider has a pretty laissez-faire reaction to oh, it. Oh, well, it's New York City. I guess I get bitten by a spider. <laughs> it's New York City. It's New York City, it's- City of spiders. Cities of spiders. All everyone every day is bitten by a different colored spider. Why would I react? <laughs> I uh, ugh. I so badly want. There's a couple frames from this that I specifically want framed on my wall. But if I could get some kind of like animated version of the entire last fight in the super collider oh man uh, just to play forever on a tv in my home Uh, that's this movie is just wall-to-wall fucking art some people frame paintings i have framed the last fight of spider-man into the spider-verse to play on a loop my power bill is a lot and it's worth it it keeps everyone up at night oh the sound is on and it cannot be turned down my girlfriend has left me, but I still have my treasure. <laughs> I, I still have the one thing that matters the most to me. Uh, but no, I, I, I struggle to talk about this movie because there's so much that I want to talk about. It is something that, and I made a Facebook post to this, to this degree. I genuinely think it might be the most perfectly constructed movie I've ever seen, uh, because everything is so well thought out. I find it hard to find a genuine criticism with any ground to stand on. Like reading reviews of it, even people who don't like it seemingly like, seemingly don't like it for bad, inarticulate reasons. Yeah. And it's also 97% on Rotten Tomatoes, which... 97%? For something that is... With an audience... Sorry, with an audience score of 94%. Yeah, it is is 97% and that is usually territory that you only find for limited release movies that only get a few reviews and then they're all glowing and people are like, 100% certified fresh, and then that's gone once it reaches wide release. This is a movie that has been in movie theaters for a while. Still is. And it is still sitting at 97%. And it's done by, of all people, Sony Animation. So the... Whose last film was Hotel Transylvania uh, uh, 3, and before that was Hotel Trans- <laughs> Transylvania 2, and before that was Hotel Trans... <laughs> and the Emoji Movie! Yeah. So what? What? Out of nowhere, the Dark Horse... Animation Studio Sony, were they working on this film for 20 years? They must have been because the, as we know, we've talked about this quite a few times on the podcast, the politics of Sony's ownership of the Spider-Man IP. Sony can no longer make Spider-Man movies not in conjunction with Marvel in the terms of their contract. However, Sony has full rights to animated Spider-Man feature films. So that's that's how, the, this was the loophole. This was the loophole. The so they they down by. They said, here's what we can do. We can make movies about the Spider-Man villains we retain the rights to. We can make Spider-Man uh, movies that are animated through Sony Pictures Animation or whatever. So we're going to make the best movie of 2018 that is an animated feature, which is Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. We're going to put all of our money behind it. And we're going to make the best live-action movie of 2018, which is Venom. <laughs> One of those things worked. Yeah, okay, I got (laughs) you. One of those things worked. You're saying one of these two is true. Yeah, they really, they went, they went for it this year. The highest grossing live action movie this year, sorry, for 2018, believe it or not. It's still in theaters. It's Aquaman. Uh, it just grossed a billion dollars domestic uh, worldwide. We should really do a supplement to reading about Aquaman. Mm, I've got so many problems with that movie, but I, that's not for here. I genuinely don't like Aquaman. I'm of the same mind for Into the Spider-Verse. This movie was one of the f- few times this year besides Marvel's Infinity War and maybe some other movies I can't remember right now where I didn't have a problem with anything I was seeing. Yeah, there there was it, it was it's so well constructed. There's so much passion and love into it. It feels like an experience, not a movie. And the there was one moment where I was like, "Wow, we're actually we're getting a lot of Miles Morales. I thought there were going to be Spider-Man popping up all over the place." Mm-hmm. The fact that this movie can start out so slow seemingly and end up where it ends up mm-hmm. is a test a testament to the storytelling and the pacing and the the good work done by Phil Lord, who was the uh the writer yeah i I think that this movie nails something as far as storytelling in that. Uh, if you raise stakes in a linear fashion, then you risk boring the audience because when every, when every raised stake is just one incremental but equal step above the previous one, you get bored, you raise stakes exponentially until the universe is on the line, yeah. and that's how you tell a fucking comic book story. And, and it helps that even during the boring parts, or not boring, sorry, the introduction, the slower parts... You're still getting used to this very richly created world in the animation so that the slow parts don't feel as slow because you're taking in all this beautiful work that mm-hmm. that that 120 animators worked on this project. No, sorry, 180. Mm-hmm. I misquoted myself. Uh that's the most animators to have worked on a project that Sony has ever put together. It's This was an undertaking. Yeah, it When I initially saw Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse as coming out, I was like, oh, this is like a a smallish project. I had no idea how much weight was going behind it. And I had no idea how much of their uh, reputations and their careers the directors and the writers were putting on the line because they fought with Sony Animation very hard for this movie. Because they specifically set out, if they... Were ever watching drafts of what they had submitted and it looked like any other animated movie, they would send it back. They wanted... And, and there was a lot of... There was some turnaround with the writers. Mm-hmm. Because at one point, this project had five writers listed. Yes. And it ended up with about three. Yeah, there was... Including Alec Hirsch was attached to this project at one point. Really? And then uh, his name was taken off of it. Oh. I don't know what happened. I know that this movie also had a, a few directors, mm-hmm. and one of the animators stepped up to kind of fill a director role in post production. So I, there was some turbulence, mm-hmm. but the end product is great. So I, I don't know what to make of that. Yeah, I mean, I've I've heard nothing about the production being uh, cruel or unusual in any way. So I feel good about it insofar as that. But it is it was such a big undertaking that. Maybe the only complaint I have about it, and this isn't a complaint as such, I wish I had more direct, like, optics on the people who were behind this movie so I could appreciate them more, but it's kind of an amalgamation. Yeah. Uh, But obviously that worked. Uh, It's good that it's an amalgamation, but I certainly wish that I could say, uh, Bob Persichetti... Rodney Rothman and whoever the third guy was. I don't know if I got any of those people's names right. They sound close enough from the re- the, the scant research that I did. Uh, but the, the three named directors, I don't know how much influence they actually had on it. I know that uh, both Phil Lord and Chris Miller of uh, Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs and Lego movie fame. Exactly. Uh, had pretty heavy hands in it as well. Yeah. Uh, and, of course, the Lego movie and Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs, some of the best animated features in human history. Uh So, you can't beat it. Yeah, uh, maybe Phil Lord and Chris Miller just have a secret. It's called Bob Persichetti. It's called Bob Persichetti, their secret weapon. Yeah, because he doesn't have a Wikipedia page. Oh, man, maybe he's... <laughs> No, he's real. Yeah, he's... I saw an interview with him. Finger quotes. <laughs> you saw an interview with the actor that <laughs> Phil Lord and Chris Miller hired yeah, to Paul play... Yeah, Paul Giamatti. Paul <laughs> He's still dressed uh, like the rhino. He's still dressed like the rhino they're like man Bob I, I, heard, I heard they're redoing uh, Sideways but <laughs> instead of Paul line? Giamatti it's the Rhino from yeah. The Amazing Spider-Man yeah. or he, Spectacular whatever. everyone's like drinking wine and then the Rhino like busts through a wall and he's like you're about to get Sideways in <laughs> his mech suit because yeah. the Rhino had a mech suit in that and then they're like that what does movie? that mean uh, oh, Yeah. Man. I, I don't even know where to go with the conversation. I know that I on sometimes for a supplemental reading we like rate it, but that's a moot point. The rating it is it we changed it to. Oh no! I for because it, it was originally one scale that we didn't we didn't go for anymore. Yeah, uh, I feel like I think it, it was like it, love it, gotta have it. Uh huh. But I mean. Gotta have more of it, At maybe? this point, we've said multiple times that it's one of the best, if not the best, films of 2018, I'm, so... All I'm gonna say, as far as rating it goes, I don't buy movies. I will be purchasing Into the Spider-Verse on Blu-ray, and then buying an, an, an HD 4K UHD super amped up TV to hopefully recapture some of that big screen magic because that move that movie's gorgeous. Yeah, I um I also don't tend to buy movies, at least new releases. Uh the second that movie was over, I knew I was purchasing it. The, yeah. the second that movie was over, I had the same feeling for uh Baby Driver, which in hindsight, uh I'm still standing by it, don't worry. No, it's still a great movie, but still you know. standing by it. Uh let's hope nothing like that falls into the Spider-Verse. Blinded by the balls in that boy. Uh, Ugh. <laughs> Uh, so I think unless we have any other major themes to discuss, uh, post Malone, <laughs> uh, the theme of the theme of post Malone. What's you wrong know what post Malone? Let's, there's not, I like post. Malone. I like I his love. music. I like his music, and he seems like an okay guy. He looks like a, a trash bag, but he's got a good soul. No, he looks like a vacuum bag. Okay, so the thing that I want to talk about a little bit is the soundtrack. Uh, you will not have listened to the soundtrack in its entirety, I don't believe. I've obsessed over the soundtrack. Uh it blends perfectly into the movie, but when I go through the soundtrack, I'm like, there's a fucking Duckworth song on here. Who? Duckworth. He's a hip hopper. Huh? He he made that song I'm Dead. He made that song Michael. Very good. Uh What? So all of the tracks. There's a Jaden Smith track on there that's As in really Jaden good. Jaden Pickett Smith? Sure. Whoever Will Smith's son is. Oh, the young one. Yeah. Jaden. Jaden. Jaden Smith. Jaden Smith. He has Pickett? a song. He has a <laughs> Jaden Pickett Smith. Uh, cause he picks the guitar. His mom's name is like Jada Pickett. Jada Pinkett Smith? Pinkett. There oh, now I feel bad. Uh, but no, the, Sorry, Jada. the soundtrack really opened my eyes to a lot of. Uh, Not your ears. Uh, to a lot of artists that I haven't paid a lot of attention to, particularly Post Malone and Jaden Smith. He's got two songs, right? Post Malone? Sure. I think he's just got Sunflower, but I can double-check. I I could have sworn I heard his voice twice. I'm going to pull up the soundtrack. I know Sunflower for sure because it's on the radio. And that's... I mean, it's an interesting song because you hear... It's featuring someone else. And that someone else... They start the song and they sing actually the first version, the first, uh, instance of the chorus. And then Post Malone comes in and then he sings his verse and then he sings the chorus too, which is like a really interesting, it gives a song a lot of dynamic, a lot of range because there's movement in the, in the song. So here's, uh, there's only one Post Malone song. Oh, that's a shame. And it's Sunflower. Uh, the track listing on the soundtrack is What's Up Danger. Fantastic. That's the song that plays when he turns into Spider-Man. It's so good. And then you've got Sunflower by Post Malone, Way Up by Jaden Smith. Familia, my least favorite song on the album, uh, Nicki Minaj Joint. Uh, you've got Invincible by Aminé, a Riot by Duckworth and Shibuzi. Ooh, ooh, there's a Juice World song on here. Uh, well, you're in a realm of music that I don't... I don't go too much. Uh, you've got Save the Day by Ski Mask, the Slump God. Scared of the Dark has Lil Wayne on it. Sadly, it does have XXX Tentacion. Oh, may you rest in peace? Uh, he was a trash human being. Dead person, still someone to be dead. Over. Uh, it's got Elevate by Denzel Curry. And of course, Finishing It Out with Home by Vince Staples. There's a Vince Staples track in a kid's movie. North, North, So good. Soundtrack's so good. I knew that we wouldn't be able to have a meaningful conversation about the soundtrack, which is why I saved it until the end. As always, John, you are the music corner of this podcast. Because I give myself one area of willful ignorance, and that just happens to be music. Did you say I'm the music corner or I did the music say you, coroner? Music corner. Music <laughs> isn't dead. I although XX tonation is. <laughs> Please. X to his friends. Oh, uh, <laughs> no, just X. Yeah, just X. Uh, I, am I don't know friend. anything about him, so I don't know if that was a joke or if that was just a fact. Some people just call him X. Uh, also, some people call him a dead bad person. I don't... Who knows? He hated gay people. Oh, that's a shame. And women. Whoa. Yeah. That's more than half of the population. <laughs> it, it certainly is. Oh, wow. Well, on that note... Into the Spider-Verse, very good movie. I hope it wins every Oscar that it can and more. I hope it steals Oscars from Freddie Mercury. Yes, uh, I have not seen Bohemian Rhapsody, which, I don't know, if you're gonna make a Freddie Mercury, Mercury? A Freddie, Freddie uh, Mercury, that legendary singer. Freddie Mercury, uh, biopic. Uh, don't name it after the one Queen song everybody knows, show a little tact. I'm sure Rami Malek is great, but (laughs) Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse is greater. All I have to say is, if a goddamn a star is born, with Bradley Cooper and Lady Gaga beats out Into the Spider-Verse in any category, I will write a stern letter to the Academy voicing my displeasure. And we... Are in the shallows now. And if you want to write a stern letter about your disagreements to us, you can do so via our social media plugs, which will be done by me, Spider Henry. (laughs) The gimmick is that I'm just Henry, and I spit spiders out of my mouth. <laughs> Whoa! Wait, hold on. Can you do a very, very quick Spider-Man into the vi- into the Spider Verse like intro card introduction to oh, Spider Henry? I wish we had it written down. <laughs> no, just you just, just uh, ad lib it. Just ad lib it once again. Very short. That's right. I'm Spider Henry, and for the past two minutes, I have been the only, one and only Spider Henry who spits spiders from his mouth and gets beaten up online by bullies. Who died in your life? Everyone! I'm the only living human. Oh, that's a shame. I fight crime. That's a shame. That I make up in my head. (laughs) Very good. In a padded cell in New Jersey. Who's keeping you there if everyone's dead? That's the secret. I'm always angry. That's a pretty good intro. And if you're always angry, you can send us a Twitter at tweet.com. That's a tweet at Twitter.com at ZCPCWHJ. And my co-host John will tell you what that stands for. Yes, ZCPCWHJ, of course, stands for Ziderman, Ciderman, Piderman, Ciderman, Wider, 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 Widerman, Hyderman can't see him. Jiderman, GC, what? Don't. That's it. He <laughs> did it. Oh, J- Hyderman is my favorite. Uh, my favorite is when you stress the "i" in <laughs> Whiterman three times. And if you like that, you can write us a letter or an email at g- that went to Gmail. <laughs> We're at... No, we're not at. Email addresses are not at. (laughs) Email addresses are at... Zero credits is a podcast at gmail.com. The at goes in the middle, does not go at the beginning. That again is zero credits is a podcast at gmail.com. Write your own Spider-Man intro and send it to us and hey, maybe we will read it, which we won't because this is a supplemental reading and not a normal episode. We're on Facebook for some reason. We're going to skip past that. We're on Twitch sometimes. We can still do that for another two months, maybe. Uh, Twitch.tv slash zero credits. That's the URL. Follow us. Maybe one day you could subscribe. Who knows? We don't make money on anything we do. Just like Spider-Man. And we're on iTunes. Find us on iTunes. Rate us. Leave a review. Give us them stars. It's the best way to get us up in them charts and in more people's ears. But the best way you can get people in our ears, or we in them, is to give your words to their mouths. Word of the mouth is the only way you can survive. This has been very rough. Spiders have been spilling out of my mouth the entire time. It is a nightmare. Have I skipped anything? No, I think you're We're good. We're on supplemental readings. We're on Spotify. There you go. We're on Spotify. Spiderfy. <laughs> Spiderfy. Uh, Spiderfy is my favorite, uh, spider fidelity. <laughs> it's my favorite monthly package where you get a <laughs> box of spiders. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. If you send us 1995 every month, and you subscribe to Spider Fi, we will our designated spider consultants will will uh, hand pick hand pick uh, a a customized artisanal spider bouquet for you every month. Your Spider Fi delivery will arrive packaged in a box the size of a mini fridge and contain and I can't stress this enough tens of pounds of spiders <laughs> tens of pounds of spiders directly to your door that's the spiderfy guarantee and from everyone here at the Zero Credits Studio Apartment, soon to be, once again, you really need to move out the Zero Credits two-bedroom apartment. This has been another Supplemental Reading, and I have been John. And I have been Henry. Get spidered. Spider-Man, Spider-Man, friendly neighborhood Spider-Man, does a thing. With his hands Cause he is the Spider-Man Watch out! Here comes some spider hands There's another verse to sing Unless you're telling me to wrap up this thing Oh no, I made a choice Now I'll sing till I have no voice Oh no, the supplemental reading's over The only thing is, I, we said neighbor friendly neighborhood Spider Man. It's yeah. I think it's does whatever a spider can. Oh wait, there might be another verse where it's friendly neighborhood Spider. Yeah, the Spider Verse.